Welcome to the City Hills Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that the message today helped you encounter God, love people, and discover purpose. For more information about who we are as a church, head over to cityhillschurchsd.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, click the Give button at the top of the homepage on our website. And now, let's jump right into the message. Hey, City Hills. Today we're going to be wrapping up our series, My Wide Open Life. So last week we talked about how God's grace is so important to us, that unmerited favor, how that putting God into the center of our lives, inviting him into every aspect of our lives, we're able to discover those purposes, those plans that he has for us, and how it opens up wide open possibilities for us to live this incredible life that he has planned for us. So I've got a question to ask you. Have you ever had one of those life-defining moments, one of those moments where you face down a fear and courage was just brought up inside of you and you were able to change things for good? I had one of those moments that I want to tell you about. As I was telling you some of my backstory last week about so many people in my life, you know, just kept telling me that there was just nothing much there. And in this moment, in this experience, everything changed. So most of you know that Bud and I ran uh, businesses, restaurants for about 30 years. And during a particularly difficult season, not long after we had opened up, we decided to bring in a consultant agency that would go over all of our practices and, and see where we were strong, where we were weak, what we needed to change, where we were making money, and where we were bleeding money. And on the scene comes this slick guy in a suit that, you know, came in. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, the kind of slick-talking guy that thinks they know everything and, you know, he's going to be the salvation for, for our business and um, talking these arrogant things and acting like he had all of the answers. The funny thing is, is you get to know Bud and I, both of us, we're, we're like the dynamic duo with this. We can't hide our emotions very well. We would not be very good at poker at all. We kind of wear our expressions on our face. And so he, he realized that this approach was not working for people like us. And so he sat us down after the first day and over a cup of coffee just started talking to us about, you know, what we wanted, asking us the questions that he should have asked in the beginning who we were, what we wanted to accomplish, what, you know, what we saw for our business, we, what we wanted to see happen through this experience. And so we relaxed a little bit and started talking to him about how our family was most important. Um, the people that worked for us were of great importance to us. And of course, God was in the center of it all. And as we went into the conversation, we made the mistake of opening our hearts up a little too much and started talking to him about the dreams that we had. We talked to him about the dreams we had for our son and, and for ourselves and for the people around us that we wanted to be missionaries, that we wanted to get our businesses running to a place where they could fund these adventures that we wanted to do for God. And we wanted to build um, orphanages and bring clean drinking water to people around the world that didn't have it. And and how we needed to get our business running in a way that these things could happen. 
That was our mistake. We should have never opened up our hearts to this man. And so at the end of almost a week of going through all of our business practices and our systems and so forth, he sat down to show us the plan that he had for us. And the first thing that he did was to start belittling us. You know, one of those people that feel like if they could just put us in our place, we would see the greatness of the person that was sitting in front of us. That was his first mistake. His second mistake was to tell us that the reason why our business was not running right was because we were treating our employees like family, that we were not treating them, in his words, like the underlings that they were. That was his second mistake. And then came the defining blow. He told us that we were never, ever going to see the dreams for our son and for ourselves and for our families and for the employees that we had. This idea that we had that God was going to give us a way to do missionary work was never going to happen. God, forget him. I am the one, he said, that has got the salvation plan in place. If you will listen to me, if you will heed my way of doing things, everything will change and I will be able to give you all of those dreams. Now, let me tell you something. I wish with everything in me that there were cameras in my restaurant at that moment. I would have loved to have pictured my face and Bud's face. I can only imagine what Bud was doing. He's got this Bud face, this mean Bud face that we all fear. I'm sure that that was coming on loud and clear. For me, I felt my face flush crimson red. My breathing started to become labored. I really believe that my nostrils started flaring like a, a bull. My heart was racing. My hands were shaking. And you could see in his face that something had gone terribly wrong with this conversation. He sat back and fear crept across his face and he was smart enough to read the room and retreat. And he said, I think we've said a lot today. We'll get back tomorrow and kind of go over a few things. I cannot begin to describe to you the rage that was starting to boil in, inside of my heart and my mind. I could not believe that I had shared my heart with this man who had set it aside and thrown it aside and basically said, once again, your best is nothing. Your best is not good enough. And I sat down to do something that I had never done before. And I used the gift that I knew God had given me, and it was the gift of words. And I wrote a scathing letter to this man and to his boss about the audacity that he had to speak this way to us in our own business. Needless to say, the response from his boss and the sheepish way that he came in and, and apologized to us the next morning changed everything about that situation. And something in me that day had changed. I had found my voice. Before that moment, I felt like the man Gideon that we talked about and introduced last week. Gideon, too, felt insignificant. He was cowering in shame and in, and in fear in that wine press when the angel came to him and described him as a warrior. You see, for me, it wasn't about putting that consultant in his place. It was about not letting someone take from me what I knew God had put in me. 
And we're going to see that as we continue on with Gideon's story. So remember, the angel had told him that he was chosen to bring defeat to the, to the Israelites' enemy of the, at the time, the Midians. And so even though he was starting to see what God was seeing in him, he still put God through a series of tests to see if God really was going to do in him what he said. So let's continue as we read in Judges 6, um, in verse 25. That same night, the Lord said to him, take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old, and tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Now, the thing to understand is that Baal was a false god. He was a god that so many of the Israelites embraced when they turned their backs on the real God, on the true God. And so many of them, including Gideon's father, built altars for him and, and would come and pray and praise and bring offerings to this false god. But God asked Gideon to deny the power of Baal and to bring glory to him. So as the story goes on, we see that Gideon did find the courage to do what God told him, but he did it when it was dark, when everyone was asleep. And I find that so interesting that God didn't call him out for that. God used what Gideon gave him to bring about the things in Gideon that he had for him. He used what he gave to him, and he'll do the same for us. So the Bible goes on to say that Gideon obeyed and took 10 of his servants and they went and they tore down these ashrapoles and this um, altar to Baal. The theologian Matthew Henry said, Gideon was a man of a brave spirit, but he was buried in a life of obscurity. Maybe you have felt like that in your life or maybe you do today. Maybe on that job, you feel like you're always overlooked for a promotion because no one can see the hard work and the dedication that you're giving. Or maybe you feel as a stay-at-home mom that you are buried in a mountain of laundry that you face every day. Or maybe you're just like me and, and like Gideon that just have never had anyone call out that greatness in you. And you feel like you live this life of obscurity. You see, it's important to understand that the act of pulling down this altar and this Asherah pole for Gideon was not going to be viewed as some childish prank. They, they weren't going to get up in the morning and go, oh man, the kids in the neighborhood TP'd my house. Gideon was taking his life into his hands by doing this. This was not going to go over well for him. So verse 28 says, in the morning when the people of the town got up, there was Baal's altar demolished with the Asherah pole next to it torn down, cut to pieces, and a second bull sacrificed on a newly built altar. And they asked each other, who did this? And this is what is really important in this story. You see, Gideon may have done this under the cover of night, but he felt courage with every board that he tore down. He was not hiding when they woke up in the morning. He was waiting for them. 
And what we see is that as he walked in that obedience of God, as he tore down that altar of Baal, that courage started to rise up inside of him and something changed, just like when I sat down to write that letter. Isn't it interesting that God told Gideon to use the same wood that the people used, his father used, to um, build this altar to Baal? Isn't it interesting that he used that same wood to build an altar for God? You see, God can even use the broken pieces from our mistakes and our shortcomings, from those mistakes of other people that influence our lives to build something to bring him glory. So there was Gideon waiting for the people, knowing full well that this was going to mean death for him. And what happened? It was Gideon's father who actually stepped up and said, hey, listen, guys, if if Baal is who he said he is, he should be able to defend himself against a young boy. And what this did was it brought glory back to God and it brought um, hope back to Gideon's father's house. Now let's get to that battle scene in Judges 6. So verse 33 says, Now all the Midianites and their allies joined forces and crossed over the Jordan and camped in the valley of Jezreel. And I love this part. In verse 34, it says, And the Spirit of the Lord came on Gideon, and he began to blow a trumpet, summoning Israel's allies to join together. This is not the same guy that we saw in the wine press in the beginning of our story. This is not the same guy that was cowering in fear and shame and not knowing who he was. When he took up that trumpet, it was a declaration. It was not just a declaration of war against Midian. It was a declaration that he no longer wanted to live this life of obscurity. So as we finish up Gideon's story, I want to give you three truths that I really believe will help you on your personal journey of discovering those purposes. And the first one is this. You don't have to figure out God's purpose and plan for your life on your own. Listen to what Ephesians 2 and 10 says. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, God sees our beginning, he sees the end, and he sees every single moment in between. And if he has created in us those purposes, why would he leave us to figure them out on our own? God wants a personal journey with you. He wants those personal, intimate times with you that I think you're going to see as we discover some more of this. But when we pursue an identity outside of God, it brings confusion. The more that we understand that our identity is solidly placed in Jesus Christ, we can begin to understand who we are in him. So we see as we um, continue on in Judges chapter 7 that the day of the battle is beginning and things are being in preparation, being put into preparation for it. But God is about to throw a wrench into Gideon's plan. Gideon is starting to see this all unfold. Maybe you're like me. You know, you're a a check person, a to-do list person. Check off all of the things. All of the things are going right. He understands what God wants for him. He believes that God is going to give Midian into his hands. But then everything changes. 
And we see in verse 7, in chapter 7, God says to him, Early in the morning, Gideon and all his men camped at the spring of Herod. And the camp of Midian, their enemies, was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moray. And the Lord said to Gideon, You have too many men. I want you to ask them if they feel fearful about going into this battle, they're released to go home. So Gideon obeyed. And 22 out of the 32,000 men looked at each other and said, peace, peace out, I'm gone, I'm out of here, and leave. So you start to, to imagine what's going on in Gideon's head. And then one of the top five strangest things in my book anyway, that the Bible says is about to happen. In verse four, it says, but the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out there. And you have to understand what God was telling Gideon is that they had turned their backs on him. And if they had gone and won this battle, they would have never given him glory for it. They would have taken all the credit for it. So it had to be something that there was no way it would happen unless God did it. So listen to what he does. He says, take the men down to the water. And there the Lord said, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog, as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands lapping like dogs. And the Lord said, send the rest of them home. With those 300 men, I will give you Midian into your hands. Can you imagine what is going on in his mind and his heart? And so many of us have felt that in our lives. It's like, I do not understand what is about to happen. I, I, I don't understand what God is possibly doing in my life right now. And then you realize that Courage has been activated inside of this young boy. It is like Tom Cruise in the Mission Impossible movies. God has said to him, Gideon, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to face your fear, go out, defeat the Midianites, rescue my people, and bring them back to me. And Gideon accepts the mission. You know how it goes. The tape explodes and melts. He has gone too far. There's no turning back. And here he goes to face the battle. So verse 8 says, Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home and took the 300 men that were left with the provisions and the trumpets. And that brings us to our second point. The key to the future you hope for is found in being faithful with the gifts that God has given to you. You see, Gideon didn't always trust God. And can I be honest? Neither will we. But on this journey of discovery, he started to realize what God had put inside of him. There was nothing about this situation of facing this vast army around him with only 300 men that gave him any confidence. And we can feel the same way at times about our lives. The little that we have to offer, what can God possibly do with it? We're about to see what he does for, for Gideon. So Judges goes on in chapter 7 to say, Now the camp of Midian lay below in this valley. And during the night the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I'm going to give them into your hands. And he gives him something strange. He gives him one more gift. He said, If you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant and listen to what they're saying. And Gideon did this. 
He went down there, you know, all stealthy-like to listen to what was saying and overheard this really random conversation between two of the warriors that were ready to fight him. And the second guy said, I had a dream. I had a dream that a round loaf of barley bread came rolling into the camp and hit our tent with such force, it knocked it over and destroyed it. And his friend said, oh, dude, that's not good. That means that God has given the Midianites into the hands of Gideon and Israel. And in that moment, Gideon finally heard for himself someone else speak the words that God had said of him, that he was a warrior. So he went back to his camp and he said, get up. God has given Midian into our hands. So verse 16 says, dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets in empty jars in the hands of all the men. And in the jars were torches that he lit. And he said, watch me and follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours. And I want you to shout, for Gideon and for the Lord. And so they reached the edge of the camp just after they had changed the guards. Things had quieted down. Now remember, this is the dark of night. It is pitch dark. And they blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands and the night sky lit up with fire. The three companies blew their trumpets and smashed their jars and grasping the torches in their hands, holding it in their right hands was their trumpet and in their left was the, was the lit torch and they started yelling, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man inside of the enemy's camp were, was trying to figure out what was happening, chaos ensued and they started to actually fight each other. Now, so listen, listen to this. God led this small army with Gideon and 300 men to take down tens of thousands of these trained warriors that were to come against them. And the fact is, they didn't even need to fight. God stepped in and there was so much chaos going on when trumpets started blaring and, and torches were, were lit that they killed every one of them. They killed each other and the battle was over. Gideon didn't even need to fight. And so you have to ask yourself, what was all of that about? If Gideon didn't actually need to become physically a warrior, what was it about? And we see as, as, as we go on with the story, God was raising up judges at this time. They were important and and um, essential leaders that God needed. And being a judge was going to be a great honor. God was laying the foundation for Gideon to go and he became one of the greatest judges for Israel of all time. You see, not only did he have to um, be in the place of legal matters, like we would understand a judge, these judges also, their roles took on military and administrative tasks as well. And that was part of what this battle was about. God was birthing inside of him what he would need to go on and do the next 
thing that God had for him. God had these purposes planned for him, but before he could become a judge, he had to know that he was a warrior. God was preparing Gideon for the important task of becoming a leader of, of millions, honestly. And if you study, which I, I challenge you to do in the book of Judges, you will see that the men and women, including Gideon, that God raised up to be judges during this time had many flaws, which will bring us something to understand about ourselves. God can use what we turn over to him. And even if we feel inadequate, we can do great things for God. And that brings us to our last truth. We are called to reflect the glory of God to others. Listen to what the Apostle Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18. I like the, the New Living Translation version. It says, but whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit is, there is freedom. We can be free from our past. We can be free from our shame and free from those mistakes. So all of us who have had this veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, Paul goes on to say. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. You see, when we accept God's free gift of grace, that veil is removed. And God is able to do the things inside of our hearts that we need to see. We need, he starts to unearth those purposes in our lives. And as we do that, we are able to be like a mirror and reflect his glory to others. You see, much like God removing those men from Gideon's army, God is going to remove those things in our lives that that will ever give us that feeling that it is all about us and, and more about he's the one in our lives that can do this. It was to show God's glory to his people and to bring them back to him. You see, as a believer, as we reflect the glory of God, the people around us are able to see God and not us that it isn't about us and it isn't about uh, the gifts that we have for ourselves to bring ourselves glory. It's to bring glory to God so that men are drawn to him. When we fully surrender our lives to God, we are able to be transformed into his image. Another translation of that verse is from glory to glory to glory. You see, God's journey, uh, Gideon's journey from pulling down Baal's altar to standing up against the popular voice of the people who had forgotten who God was, finding the courage to make the call and sound the call to war, and then stepping into leadership of these men. All of that was in preparation for what God had for him as a judge. And believer, your journey will be similar to Gideon. Each new adventure, each new depth of his grace, each new glory to glory that we, that we learn of who he is brings new insight, new wisdom, courage. It draws out more gifts and more purposes. I have always believed that our experiences build on one another. And for God, I honestly believe with all of my heart that it is not only about the destination, but it's about the journey. But you see, we have to see God's image of 
inside of us. We need to know that our identity is fully and, and completely planted in Jesus Christ. So let me close with this. As we discover more purposes in God, we will see several things happen. We will find more joy in our life. We will be able to see others through the eyes of God. We will find more um, ability to have health, mental health and, and physical health because of knowing who he is. And the more that we're able to celebrate the victories of others instead of envying them. The challenge for this series as we close is this. Make time with God a priority. Honestly, it all starts there. So what I would challenge you with at first to do is to sit down and write out your top five fears and then get your Bible and, and use Google or, or use a, a great app that you can go and, and find you know, easily that will help you to find verses that will show you that those fears don't have to be there. Find verses that tell you different about the things that you fear for yourself and write them down and post them in places where you will remember them. And then write down the things that you feel that you have strength in, those things that bring you joy, those things that um, call you to action, those things that make you feel great about what is going on in your life and what you have to offer. And if you're like me when I was younger and you don't see those things, get a trusted friend, bring your spouse into the conversation, someone that, that has known you for a long time and ask them, what do you see that's strong in me? What strengths do you see? I think you'll be surprised to find out how others view you that you haven't seen in yourself. And in the midst of all of this, put God in the center of it all. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the story of Gideon that gives us hope, Lord, that gives us a way of knowing that you have great purposes for our lives, that you can take what we have in our hands and what we have to offer and make them great. Lord, that your grace is more than sufficient for everything that we face. And Lord, that there is a plan and a purpose for each and every one of our lives that is just waiting to be discovered in a personal and intimate relationship with you. Father, I pray that your people hearing this today are brought to action, Father God, to find you in every situation in their lives. And Father, I ask this to be so in the precious and the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Be blessed. We hope that you enjoyed the message today. We would love to be able to partner with you on your faith journey. Regardless of where you're at or what you're walking through, know that your friends at City Hills Church are here for you. If you would like for us to pray for you, click the contact button on the top of the homepage and share your request with us. Our prayer team will keep you and your family in prayer every week. We hope you have an incredible day and that you discover a little more purpose throughout your week. We look forward to seeing you soon.